to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Kelly Whalen, sitting in for Beth Errett, and we're so happy you're here. And now, let's start the show. Welcome back to the Member Engagement Show. Today, I'm excited to have Marianne Frey joining us. Marianne is the CEO of the Maternity Care Coalition, an organization that works to improve the health and well-being of pregnant women and parenting families, and works to enhance school readiness for children zero to three. Marianne is a master connector, building relationships and coalitions that strengthen communities and drive growth. Throughout her 30-plus year career, Marianne has inspired diverse teams to do more together than they could do alone. Marianne established two successful cross-company industry communities that continue to drive business innovation in the project management and life sciences industries. Marianne has also advised Fortune 100 companies on their diversity and inclusion practices. She is a founding member of a 501c6 nonprofit organization called Women of Color in the Pharmaceutical Industry. I'm thrilled to have Marianne joining us today and to hear more from her about how having a people-first approach allows individuals and organizations to help facilitate the connections that build strong communities. Marianne, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Kelly. That's a lovely introduction. Who is that person? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'd love to start out today by letting you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what drew you to the work that you do. So again, thank you, Kelly, for the opportunity to share a little bit more about who Marianne Frey is and the work that um, I do currently with Maternity Care Coalition. Um, A little bit more about me. I think that if I were to classify who um, Marianne is, and I love the way I'm identifying myself in the third person, (laughs) but um, I, I think of myself as a servant leader. And that term is used it's often overused, but for me, what it means is that um, I center whomever is in uh, the stakeholder in my world that I'm serving. So it might start with when I was uh, a child, my parents, who are both immigrants from uh, Jamaica, came to the U.S. Uh, back in the 50s to serve the, uh, they, ha- they had missionary work that they did throughout the U.S., And they landed in the Philadelphia area back in the early 60s and ran a rescue mission in North Philadelphia for about 30 years. So my entire childhood from ages six to probably around 18, I lived at the mission, which served the homeless in Philadelphia. So when I say that I am a servant leader, what I mean by that is I learned that there but for the grace of God go I the people that we served who had no food, had little resource, many living in the streets. Really, I learned their stories as we were feeding them, as we were providing clothing. What was important was to get to know them and not necessarily just see the external need, but to get to know them. And that shaped how I basically lead in everything I do today. So uh, that's why I said, I guess, I'm a servant leader and many other things. I'm happily married for 39 years. I have three grown uh, young men and uh, a fulfilling career 
serving others. So if you want to learn anything else about my um, personal story and some of the issues around uh, Black maternal mortality or morbidity, um, I encourage you to take a look at my blog post, which will also be linked in the podcast notes. It's called From Jim Crow to a Changing Zip Code. Thank you for sharing your background. I know you also um, worked for a while in the pharmaceutical and healthcare space and were kind of building community in that space. And I feel like you have a really interesting perspective on what you brought from that space to the work that you do now. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, I spent close to 10 years uh, working for a global membership organization. That's actually how I came in contact with Higher Logic. And the purpose for that particular nonprofit or that membership organization was to advance women leaders to the highest levels of pharmaceutical and life sciences companies. And, you know, it was so interesting as I traveled the world, uh, meeting different women leaders and, and leaders in the life sciences industry, so much of what was holding folks back was perceptions of what women could and couldn't do or where we should be. And um, I recall always thinking, it's amazing how we miss opportunities by putting people into boxes. So when you kindly introduced me as this master connector, all that meant is that rather than putting people in boxes, as we often do in industry or any kind of, of community setting, I sought to get to know people and had the fortune of meeting many um, life science leaders throughout the world, from pharmaceutical companies to advertising agencies, and, um, and and basically learned that we're all very similar from the work that I did at the mission as a young person, as a child, all the way up to you know traveling in Europe and and meeting other leaders. There's always this need for being seen, and so. It occurred to me, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're homeless or you're the CEO of some large company, you basically want to be seen and heard. And that experience, as broad as it is, led to me being very happy and fulfilled in working at Maternity Care Coalition because basically we are serving those that have little resource, pregnant people who have many challenges. I mean, if you if you have children, you recognize how deeply <laughs> difficult uh, and, and humbling the role of a parent is. And when you have little resource, it makes it even harder. So I learned that if you approach things as everybody has the human right to be heard and seen, um, and I learned that, like I said, in all these different settings and applied that to the work that we do today, it, the connection is is clear. We are all people first. Yeah, I think that's a really wonderful way to go into any situation that you're in, kind of connecting to the humanity and like, like you said, people first. Mm -hmm. And I think you've made a good point as well about having diverse groups involved in any project or spaces that you're creating helps you build these more robust and inclusive solutions. Exactly, exactly. In fact, when I think about the two communities that you referenced earlier that I that I helped create, one was uh, in the membership organization I worked for before, bringing together senior leaders throughout life sciences companies that came together to really think about how together we could address 
the short that the lack of women at uh, senior, the most senior levels of organizations. And what was unique was that everyone shared an appreciation for how important it was to have women's voices at the table. But there was always this sense of like, well, why isn't that happening? And so we would spend time considering what is it within ourselves? What is it in, with, within the, the structures that we find ourselves that was holding um, women back? And similarly, when I was working in um, the first nonprofit, the large uh, global project management um, organization, that was also a global role. There was always this absence or kind of like a homogenous group. And there were a group of leaders that I said, let's get together and figure out what is driving this consistent homogenous group community. And when folks got together and really looked at what was and what could be, and then experienced what could be, there was agreement that we could together do something much better and get better results. And MCC, for example, our, our most recent project, our annual report, really highlighted just how much more powerful outcomes can be when you have all the voices at the table, particularly those that are most impacted by the issues that we're, we care about. Oftentimes, we as leaders will approach a situation from this is what I think the solution should be versus what is the person that is most impacted by this situation? What do they feel they need? And that is what drives, I think, the most impactful outcomes. And I've seen it happen in so many different settings and really, truly believe that that's how we can have ultimately a better world is if we bring people around the table, different people, diverse voices, and those that are most impacted to solve our most intransigent problems. And I think that's really important, the point that you make about, and it goes back to your point about not making assumptions about, you know, thinking that you know what someone needs, but rather asking them, what do you need? I think you also have done a lot of work in MCC, like to address the, there are sometimes systems in place that are kind of the the stumbling blocks. So sometimes it requires like a, a built-in or a, a systemic solution. Can you talk a little bit about what MCC has done to incorporate impactful DEIJ efforts kind of at the leadership level and within project work? And you know, Kelly, I think, well, the best way to answer that question is to talk about it on a couple levels. So on the systems level, um, or maybe let me start from the individual level, and that might be best expressed in my own personal experience. I shared that I grew up at a rescue mission in Philadelphia, and uh, of course, my parents did not have a lot of resource. However, their priority was for me to get the best possible education that I could get. So they were able to get me a scholarship to a very prestigious boarding school that allowed me to really concentrate on my academics. And you might ask, why am I saying all this? So I went from a community that was largely uh, had a lot of poverty to a very exclusive community. And I could see the great disparity between the haves and the have-nots, if you will. When I got into the exclusive community or those that have the resource, but I was struggling with my identity and going through just as a Black person in an incredibly wealthy white environment. 
uh, I definitely felt on the outside and and really went through a lot of identity crisis. And I, for whatever reasons, I I had an unplanned pregnancy at 18, and that was um, devastating on many levels. But I found myself in a community hospital, and uh, the treatment that I received was appalling. If I were my my now XX year old, when I was 17, I would have handled things very differently. But it was it was clear to me that the medical providers only saw an unwed black teenager supposedly having a baby. Obviously, I was unwed. And the systems that undergird that type of behavior were I was put in a box. They didn't they didn't know that I went to a really great school, that I had parent, I had two parents, but there were so many perceptions and the context around which I was treated, evaluated continues to today. That's why MCC's work is so important, along with many other organizations that really are trying to fight institutional racism. And the things that create poor outcomes, they derive from systems that are built around communities that have been a long time marginalized because of perceptions of who's worthwhile and who's not. On an individual level, we have to check our own biases. On a group level, we have to understand that we don't know what a person's going through that may result in a certain outcome and that that's not our job to judge, but our job is to reach out and treat people as they are, as as we all deserve. We're human beings. And whatever judgments we have regarding people's choices, they should not define the quality of the care that we get. And then what are those systems that undergird those percept those misperceptions? It's those kinds of uh, structural changes that we need to work together to address and eradicate to the best of our ability. I really appreciate what you've said about kind of having these diverse and inclusive perspectives and how that leads to better solutions and more successful organizations and communities. And I think I also want to go back to something you said about that sometimes the exclusion is happening on a systemic level. Can you talk a little bit about how MCC might be doing that or the things you think are important for creating those spaces where people feel respected and like they can be included? Well, thanks for that question, Kelly, because what it does is it shines, it it gives us an opportunity to shine the light on um, some great work that our policy department is embarking upon. What MCC does is we not only provide direct services to pregnant people and their families, but we also do research to continuously improve upon the program outcomes that we, and interventions we have. But then from a systemic level, as you've just asked, Kelly, we also embark upon campaigns or legislation or policies that are family friendly. So for example, we are currently supporting a campaign that recently ensured that pregnant people uh, who are on Medicaid have extended coverage to 12 months. Prior to that time, it was much shorter. And what research has shown is that the deaths that occur or complications from birth occur typically not just at the birth time, but post-birth. There's issues of you know uh, hemorrhaging, or there might be issues of there's 
perinatal depression that occurs afterwards that can lead to negative outcomes. But the insurance had been dropped. Medicaid would not cover post the you know two month time frame. So the policy group, along with other organizations, got together and was able to get the Medicaid coverage extended to 12 months. So that's one example of something that when you work at a systems level, you can address. But that's only one example. And there are such um, inequities that result from years and years of poor access for women. The fact that there's so many struggles that um, women who don't have either proper paid leave after they have a baby, there's all kinds of challenges associated with being able to get access to care and be able to get time off to take care of kids. So when we start to focus on those types of challenges, we start to build a more just society. Thank you so much for sharing that, Marianne. I think it's really important to kind of recognize those issues that need to be addressed at a macro level. And I think it's also really interesting then to dive into kind of the organizational level and the things that we do day to day in our organizations. Could you share a little bit about what MCC does or what you've done in building communities to make sure that we're you're creating those spaces that are inclusive and feel like people can be seen and feel like they belong? You know, your question takes me back to when I was first named CEO at Maternity Care Coalition uh, four and a half years ago. I followed an incredible founding executive director who built the organization into what it has become, which is a beacon of hope for many pregnant people in the Philadelphia area and surrounding counties. But the history that MCC had, while it's it's incredible, the uh, leadership of the organization was largely white, and the people that we in the communities we serve were largely communities of color. So when I was named the CEO and as a black person, I recall so many frontline staff members because staff was also coming from the communities we serve. So they were largely people of color. There was such a a sense of pride uh, that they were able to see someone in a leadership position that looked like them. And the first thing I did was to just listen and just go into the different sites, into the communities and just listen and also reinforce how important representation is. And those first six to 10 months of just listening and being in the community established a trust that I don't think could have been accomplished any other way. I'm certain there's probably other ways, but that became the nexus or the the way in which we've been able to create such an inclusive community of staff and community or staff and client relationships because I took the time to really be in the community, be at sites and listen and make sure that I wasn't just running my own agenda, but that I was actually really trying to represent the constituents that I serve and the staff that I lead. So um, if you ask me about, you know, what are some of the key moments or key tenants or uh, what's important is representation matters. 
making a decision to listen and a commitment to listen, and then to build out from there. Uh, that was, you know, I think an important step in the, in the process. But I also learned that it was it was not just the listening, but when you put into action what you hear, what I heard was there was a lot of feeling of, we love MCC, we really love the mission, but we're not really being paid commensurately, which is a function of what's happening in early childhood education. Uh, Frontline employees, teachers from early Head Start centers, you know, childcare centers, they're not really well paid. So we embarked upon what we considered the first step in what our climate assessment plan, which was to build a more equitable compensation plan. And to accomplish that, we made some strategic decisions around real estate and different assets that we had, reducing some so that we can redirect those savings into salaries. And I'm really happy to report that within two years, we were able to raise the minimum salary of all of our frontline employees, and we've become much more competitive in our um, compensation practices, as well as, uh, it, you know, the actual salaries. And the only staff members that have not received increases are at the executive level, and that currently is being done. So that is what I call diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice in action listening and then building a plan that addresses what we hear. That sounds amazing. And I feel like it really goes back to a lot of what you've already said about not making assumptions about what people need. And also, like you said at the very beginning in your background, like being a servant of the people, a servant leader of the people you serve. So taking that time to hear what people are looking for. And I think when you listen to what people value and what really matters to them, it lets you, it positions you to connect the dots better and be able to provide the things that people need because you've heard what they need. Absolutely. As opposed to assuming that we know data supporting everything, data that we ask or we have to ask ourselves, is that the right metric? What about the stories that people have? Do, the, does, do those stories matter as much as the, as the quantitative metrics, mm -hmm. things like that. And so at MCC, we really seek to listen to the stories and let those stories guide the programming and the projects that we, um, we put in place because they will be addressing the things that we are told really are pain points for, for our clients. And I think you also then put yourself in a place to, instead of just asking why are people not coming to us or what can they do for us? You are in this position to say, well, what can we do for them? Precisely. Oftentimes when I'm talking with a new partner, I, I lead with, first of all, I want to get to know you. And what is it that you need? As opposed to what can I get from you or what do I need? And even in a mentoring relationship or any kind of uh, relationship, if you can lead with, what can I do for you? it will result in incredible things for both people. It's a way of engagement that I think is often missed. I think that's a really good point that you make that kind of opening the door to what people need and really listening to them makes them feel like they can share and, and then they bring their voice to the conversation and, and they're less likely to second guess themselves or 
silence themselves before they have the chance to speak up. I really love that, Kelly, because it really reminds me of how it's so easy to feel like an imposter when you're in settings where you feel like there's not very many people around a table that look like you or the world doesn't reflect a valuing of your point of view, whether it's from a family setting or from a societal setting. There's, it's easy to feel beaten down and like your voice is not important, but it is. And when we approach each interaction with a genuine wonder and curiosity around who that person is, what they have to share, truly believing that they have value and something to share only helps to get you to a, a more intimate place, which ultimately leads to better conversations, relationships, engagement. That's the magic. The magic is overcoming that imposter syndrome, overcoming the tendency to hold back because you feel like what you have to say isn't important. It absolutely is. But as leaders, we have to encourage that authenticity. And the way we do it is by being vulnerable ourselves. It kind of takes me back to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about, or I said, you know, I really see myself as a servant leader. If you think about it, what is a servant? It's, it's a person who is there looking at someone else wanting to and being chartered or commissioned to meet their needs. That's kind of the euphemistic, the positive way of looking at a servant. But it also gives the person, like it may feel uncomfortable to take, but you feel honored. And when we can begin as a person, as a leader, as a community, um, in our family relationships, if we can start putting others' needs before our own, it's amazing what can happen. And I really believe in the power of, um, of we. And that starts with being able to subject myself in honor or in service of someone else and a broader mission. That's really beautiful, Marianne. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, I feel like you put it really beautifully. And it takes the kind of day-to-day, -day, the logistics of what you do to build community. And it really puts it at that like high level of humanity first, like seeing people as people first, having that care, respect, building that trust. And I, would, I wouldn't want to leave this conversation making it seem like it's easy or it's a lot of words. It is hard. What I'm describing is actually really, really hard work. Um, at MCC, when we started our DEIJ journey, we had lots of words on a page. We spend days and days, meetings upon meetings, really putting into practice the principles that we say we believe in. We will call each other out when we think we're not really honoring each other or if we've somehow maybe inadvertently said something that was not inclusive or not sensitive, we give each other permission and accountability to actually call each other. And it doesn't matter whether you're the CEO or you're an advocate at the front line, everyone has the responsibility to an accountability to treat each other with that respect. But I, I just didn't want to leave this conversation 
uh, making it seem like this is real pie in the sky and it's easy. It's hard work, but the return is so precious. Definitely. It feels like it's a daily checking yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say, Kelly, I want to practically demonstrate what I mean. And that is that I have so enjoyed learning from you, Kelly. And I know we've, this conversation has had its ups and downs and we were both entering it with a bit of trepidation, but I felt so comfortable talking with you because I feel like you've been very open with me. And if we could enter every conversation with that level of vulnerability, but that allows us to build trust. I think it's, 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 it's wonderful. And I look forward to learning from you and continuing to build our relationship. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I've also really deeply enjoyed us our talking together. I think your thoughts around these topics are just so valuable, and I really appreciate you sharing them with me and with our audience. It's my pleasure. Well, I feel like that's such a lovely note to wrap things up on. Um, so I just want to thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Um, and I do want to tell our listeners, um, MCC, Marianne mentioned it earlier in the show, but MCC has a wonderful annual report that we're going to link in the show notes if anyone has interest in checking that out. Is there anything you want to share about that, Marianne? It was such a great collaboration. Um, Our vice president of advancement and external affairs drew together the voices from both direct service, policy, um, all different parts of the organization to come up with a piece that I really think is the voice of so many uh, folks within the MCC organization. So we're really proud of the report and hope that uh, people will take a look at it. And we also have um, a campaign going that talks about our theory of change, um, which is really an incredible piece of work that we did during the pandemic and that clarified our North Star and what we intend to do, which is to ensure that parents in Southeast Pennsylvania can birth with dignity, parent with autonomy, and raise babies that are healthy, growing, and thriving. So um, I encourage you to take a look at our annual report as well as our theory of change which is being promoted in our social media uh, right now. Really important work. And I will also put in a quick plug for a report from HireLogic that I'm really excited about. Uh, we recently launched our 2022 member experience report, which I feel like goes to what Marianne, Marianne and I were talking about, where we really wanted to hear directly from association members about what things were important to them um, to help associations be better positioned to give those things to their members. Um, so that will be linked in the show notes as well. Um, so if you'd like to check that out, just go to the link in this episode's show notes and you'll be able to find the annual report that Marianne talked about and that 2022 member experience report. Thank you again, Marianne. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the member engagement show so you don't miss a single episode. Beep.